You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, your tremendous grace that you have towards us. Thank you, Lord, for your blood that speaks for us, your mercy that speaks for us, your favor that speaks for us, O Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Cover us with your blood. Cover us with your righteousness. Cover us with your mercy, O Lord. As you touch every spirit and lift up every spirit to be you, O Lord, give them strength in their inner man, your sons, your daughters, your servants. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before we start, I think the, one of the things really the last few months God has just been sharing with me from the life of Saul and David. And um, how both of them were anointed, but David was anointed from a ram's horn, which speaks of God's authority, where Saul was anointed from a clay jar, which speaks of man's choice. And sometimes there can be an anointing, but where is it coming from, the origin? Because if it's from God, it will have a lasting impact on a person's life. And I think in business, whether you have your own business or you're working for somebody, You need God's presence and you need God's help to help you in everything that you do. The greatest mistake that we make as Christians is that we try and live a life without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the anointing that's available there to to, to assist us so that we can go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, but more important that we are able to maintain that. I think... Like I've just said, the anointing is not just for priests, it's not just for pastors or ministers, but the anointing is for those who are also in the marketplace. Uh, Oftentimes you need it more because you're busy Mondays to Fridays. I'm not saying pastors are not busy Mondays to Fridays, but we're ministering and praying for people mostly on on a Sunday, but you need that anointing. Even when you look at the Old Testament, it was God's ability, God separating a king, anointing a king that made the difference. Um, Going into the promised land, the difference was God's presence. And oftentimes we live a life as a Christian, as a Christian businessman, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, without depending on the help of the Holy Spirit, without relying on that anointing that's available. Turn to the person next to you and say the anointing is available. So priests were empowered, were anointed, separated to do God's work. So anointing is just to separate somebody for a specific task. You're anointed to be a priest. You're separated for that assignment that God has given you. So if you're anointed for a business assignment, God has separated you to do that. Amen? When you look at, I'm not, that's even in the notes, but the people mentioned in the Bible, the five talents, the two talents, the one talents, they, they were given gifts, responsibilities, and they had to multiply it. And they could do it in their own strength, or they could do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So the anointing, God's presence is there to help us. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, that's Old Covenant. It says, and you shall remember the Lord your God because it's He who gives you the power or the ability or the anointing or the strength or the power 
to get wealth or to be successful. Why? That he may establish his covenant, his relationship that there's between him and his people. He wants people to see that there's something different between you and those in the world. His presence is with you. And many people can be successful without the presence of God, but if you want to maintain it, and obviously if you want to give glory to God, you need the presence of God. When God anointed David, when he spoke to Samuel and said, go and anoint him, 1 Samuel 16 verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Now, what you have to know there is that when he anointed him, remember, he had called all his brothers and not one of them were anointed. That horn was held over their head. And the oil only started flowing if it was the anointed one. So what actually happened, the brothers were all rejected by God, not accepted. They were not the anointed one to be king. So there were all this rejection. That's why Samuel said, oh my word, is there not somebody else? There must be somebody else. Because the anointing has not started to flow. He said, yeah, there's one little other ruddy little boy, but he's nobody. He's looking after the sheep. It cannot be him. Please call him. And actually, when he appeared before Samuel, he had to be washed. He had to be cleaned up. He had to be at a place where he smelled like and looked like right. But when he came in, he smelled like the sheep. And he was not dressed in the right way. So outwardly, wrong guy. But when the horn was held there, the anointing started to flow. And God said to Samuel, I want to tell you something. I'm not looking at man the way that you're looking at man. I'm looking at his heart. And this man's heart can receive my anointing. And the Bible says from that moment, the Spirit of God remained with him. So anybody can get anointed. But will the anointing remain? Because you want to maintain the anointing. Very interesting. From the time that David was anointed till the time he was finally king over all of Israel and Judah, 15 years. Five, five, five. So there's a time from being anointed till the time that you're appointed where you'll have to go through a process and it's here where most people run away or make stupid mistakes because their character is not developed. Years ago, God showed me a vision, and I'm going to refer to this quite a few times. The young person, when I just got saved, God showed me a vision, vision of a fire burning on the inside and a fire burning on top. And I saw how this fire on the inside started burning bigger and bigger until it started burning right through the fire that was upon and this is what you want. There's two fires. There's the gifting that's upon us, and then there's the fire of God, the character of God on the inside of us. And that fire, Christ, must be formed on the inside of us. And if your gift exceeds your character, you're an accident waiting to happen. And this is where you see people do wrong things when they have this big gift and grace, but their character has not been developed. Amen? So when you are born again, the good news is you are born from above. Turn to the person next to you and say you're born from above. 
Why is that important? Because when you're born from above, you've received the Holy Spirit. You've received an anointing. So both when you look at David, when you look at Deuteronomy, these are from the Old Covenant. But from the beginning, God had planned for man to be clothed with glory. Adam was clothed with the glory of God. Romans teaches us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So from the beginning, the way that God designed it was to be clothed with glory. When he gave man the assignment, look after the garden. If God has given you an assignment, he's always going to empower you, strengthen you so that you can do it. He's never just going to say do it. He'll empower you to do it. So when you stand before God one day, you'll never have an excuse because God would have given you the power. That's an aina or an amen. The truth is God gave Adam authority over everything on earth. With his Adamic authority, he could have just told the devil, go. But the enemy came and deceived him. Amen. So God has given us authority. God has clothed us with glory. Sin separated us from that glory, but Christ came to restore that back to us. Amen. When God gives you instruction, Adam had to rule over everything. Sometimes we, we limit ourselves in what we can do. Turn to the person next to you and say, your potential is much more. Turn to the person on the other side and say, your potential is much more. So God, from the beginning, his plan was for you to think with him, to walk with him, to plan with him. And the instruction that he's going to give you to, to rule or to dominate, he's going to empower you. Before he sent the disciples into the world to go preach the gospel, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. Once you've received power, then go. All Christian service should be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We should pray every day, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me and empower me. The assignment that God has got for you here on earth is going to empower you, is going to strengthen you, is going to anoint you. Amen. When God empowers you, the anointing is there for a purpose. It's there for a purpose. So where you are right now, when God empowers you, everything will start to change. Even Jesus started as a carpenter. Jesus started as a carpenter. David as a shepherd boy. Peter as an ordinary fisherman. But after the Spirit of God had come upon them, things in their life started to change. The Bible says in Acts 10 verse 38 how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So after he had received power, in the book of Luke he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Then he started ministering. Then he started doing signs, wonders. So Christian service should be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go read the book of Acts. I always tell uh, the staff here, I say, go read the book of Acts. I said, after they've received power, they went out. They went through terrible things. If you were in the service last week, you'll see how every disciple, except for John, died a martyr's death. 
But show me one place in the book of Acts where any of them complain. Why? Because they were doing their Christian service in the power of the Holy Spirit. So they could count it all joy when they fall into various trials. They could say we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And that the hope of God does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. They were empowered from above. And they could go out and do their assignments. So if you're complaining about Christian service, ask yourself, have I been empowered? Have I received the Holy Spirit? Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17 verse 36. I've read 1 Samuel 16 where David was anointed. Here he comes. After he's anointed in chapter 17, now suddenly you start hearing, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. I'll be able to kill this giant as well. What was he saying? He said, since I've received the anointing, I've been doing unusual things. And I know the same anointing that killed the lion is the same anointing that helped me to kill the bear and is the same anointing that's going to help me to kill this giant. Saul, go read your Bible. Saul, when he was anointed and the presence of God was with him, he would go onto the battlefield, he would find the biggest guy on the battlefield and he would go kill him. Saul was supposed to kill Goliath, but because God's presence was not with him anymore, he did not have confidence. Instead of having a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, a spirit of fear has gripped his heart. And he said, I cannot do it. But David, a young boy on his own, worshiping God, knew that he was anointed by God, said, well, let's see, let's put this anointing to the test. Bear, you want to take one of my little lambs? Sorry, I'm an anointed one. God is here, given me an assignment. It's not going to happen on my shift. He says, I take it out of its mouth. Many times when we try and do things in our own strength, we mess up. Peter, when he tried to do things in his own strength, he messed up. Messed up big time. So we are here today to say, I'm anointed for business, but the anointing is for a purpose. The anointing is free, but it's not cheap. Jesus could fulfill every assignment because he did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. David, an ordinary shepherd boy, could now become the shepherd of Israel. Peter, an ordinary fisherman, could now become a fisher of men when he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's God that gives us the power, that gives us that ability and when you know that you'll always give glory to God, you'll know that every advancement in your life is because of the grace of God. It's because of that power, that grace, that ability walk, working on the inside of you. Turn to the person next to you, say whether you like it or not, you're anointed one. So the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. So the gift, the grace, the calling that God has given you will bring you before great men. But it's your character that will keep you there. It's your character that will keep you there. I don't have time to minister on it now, but Saul's biggest problem was that he could not honor man. He never honored Samuel. When he had to wait for Samuel to bring the offering, he took it into his own hands. He could not honor him. And you could see after that, God took it very, very seriously. Let me tell you something. 
your gift can bring you before people, but if you know how to honor people, respect people, it will take you much further than your gift. The way you talk to people, the way you work with people. Jesus never looked down at anybody. He was God, but he became man. He came to our level to look at us straight in the eyes. When you look down at people or you think you are better than people, there's something wrong with the gift on the inside. When you understand the gift of Christ on the inside, you'll see you'll never look down at people. The value of a person is determined by their heart before the cross. And the ground before the cross is level to everybody. Everybody, doesn't matter who you are, have to bow the knee at the cross. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about the anointing. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. And when I read this, it was such a blessing because many times we all go through this season in our lives. David has been anointed king. He's killed a lion. He's killed a bear. He's been playing the harp for Saul that the demon that's tormenting him should flee. And he's killed Goliath. I mean, it's quite a resume. And now he has to flee for his life. And he finds himself in the cave of Adullam. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped the cave to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Wow. It doesn't say anything about their social status. It just says everybody that's distressed, that's in debt, and that's not very happy. Do you know people like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> so he came, became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. David was anointed at that time. King already. He had an opportunity to have killed Saul already, but he didn't. Why did the men come to him? They came to him because he was anointed. They came because they saw the anointing upon his life. Saul, the Spirit of God had departed from him. He was not anointed. He had all the resources, all the buildings, all the people, but he was not anointed. If you don't have the anointing, you won't be able to manage it. You won't be able to change. The 400 came to him and said, we need your help. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, it will do a permanent work. It will change you from the inside out. Amen? That's one of the most important things. Think about it. Saul was trying to kill him, but he couldn't. He was running for his life. These men came and said, we need your help. We know what God is doing in your life. We know where God is taking you. We are here to be a part of it. Help us. I'm not even touching on it, but Moses, if you go, look, the spirit of the leader will come upon you. When you in a church, let me just take one example. When you in a church, 
by the grace of God, my wife and myself, we're busy working on the book now, Relationship Under Repair. But we're always checking each other's hearts. Any offense? Are you walking in love? You checking those kind of things? If you're under a ministry where the leadership wants to keep their hearts pure before God, it will be easier for you to keep your heart before God. But if you're in a leadership where they are gossiping, murmuring, whatever things could trouble you, if you're in that kind of a ministry, that spirit will also come upon you, and you'll find yourself battling with things that you shouldn't battle with. Amen. That's why you have to be in a church where people want to worship God in spirit and in truth, because that's what God is looking for. So if you have leadership worshiping God in spirit and in truth, that's what you want. The challenge is when you look from a natural point of view, even Samuel, a man of God whose words did not fall to the ground, when he looked at Jesse's sons, he missed it. He missed it. You have to look at the heart. You have to look at the heart. Hear what's coming out of people's hearts when they are talking to you because your heart will always snitch on you. Your heart will always snitch on you. The sad thing is Saul, old covenant, unfortunately when you sinned and you continued in your sin, the Spirit of God departed from Saul. 1 Samuel 16 verse 14, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That's what was the difference between him. When the Spirit departed, Saul never cried out, Lord, do not let your Spirit depart from me. But David, in that time, let me just say this. This is just for free. Sometimes God will place you in a position where you are the anointed one to be king and you are serving with somebody and you wonder why you are there. You are there to honor him and to help him because in that time you are learning from him. David knew what he should not do because he saw what Saul was doing. He saw that when Saul sinned, he never said, do not let your spirit depart from me. So that when he sinned, what was the first thing he did? He fell on his knees and he said, do not let your spirit depart from me. Because he knew he was not a giant slayer. He could drop his king's cloak immediately, fall on the ground and say, do not let your spirit depart from me. Create in me a pure heart and a contrite spirit. He knew he was not a giant slayer. He knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposed of giants. Without the Holy Spirit, he would not be able to kill the giant. He would not be able to kill the bear. He would not be able to kill the lion. Sometimes we get so confident in our own strength when God starts blessing us that we miss it. Habakkuk says, you make my feet like that of a deer. Then you lead me up my high hill. That's the attitude of the heart. A deer, when his feet is strong, can run up any high hill. But even when God has made your feet strong, you say, Lord, Lead me. In Judges 16, you can go read it, 20. The Bible says, The Spirit of God departed from Samson, and he did not even know it. So he was busy doing all his Christian rituals, coming to church, doing his dancing, his singing, his vibing. But God had departed from him because of his disobedience. How many people are busy today doing things outwardly and they don't even know that the Spirit of God has departed? You can be a king. Saul was king, but without the Holy Spirit, without the anointing. You can be the strongest man, 
But without the Holy Spirit, how will you kill a giant? And you can be an ordinary David with the Holy Spirit, not even with a sword or a shield, with five little stones and kill a giant. David was not the strongest, but he was anointed. They came to him because they saw the grace of God upon his life. They saw the anointing of God upon his life. They said, this little young man, he's doing things that nobody else can do. God is with him. They said, is the apple of God's eye. That mystery part that they don't understand, I'm sharing that with you because that's available to all of us. We all have access to Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the highly favored one. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we've accepted the anointed one. We've accepted the highly favored one. The question is, when he comes into your life, will you allow his presence to change you? You can go read the book of 1 Samuel. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul, the Bible says he was changed into another man. The problem is, after he was changed into another man, he could not maintain it. He only gave glory to God two years later, but the rest of the time he wanted glory. You want to be anointed one? We can anoint you. We can anoint all of you today. The thing is, will you be able to maintain it? Sometimes we think we are the ones making it work because we are working so hard. And please work hard. Work hard. But the Bible says it's God that gives us the power. It's God that gives us the ability. It's God that gives us the strength. He anoints us. The anointing is for free. What the miracle that you are trusting God for, the breakthrough that you are trusting God for. Let's just talk about miracles. Miracle that you need in your life, in your finances, in your business, in your health, whatever. The thing that produces that is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is available to everybody. Righteousness is a gift. It means it's for free, but it's not cheap. For us to be righteous costs Jesus his life. For us to have the Holy Spirit here costs Jesus his life. For us to have the blood of Jesus cover us costs Jesus his life. That's why we cannot water it down when it comes to the anointing, when it comes to the presence of God. It's all about the heart. When we start saying, me, when I start saying, it's my power, it's my strength, it's my ability, it's because money has got the first place or the primary place in your heart. Now it's my money. But when you know it's God's strength, God's anointing, God's power, God's grace, you'll say, it's just the grace of God. I thank you, Jesus for opening this door. Thank you for helping with my business. Thank you for blessing the work of my hands. You'll have a heart attitude, not to say, well, God is just you, you do it. Your attitude will be, I'm going to pray as if everything depends upon God, but I'm going to work as hard as if everything depends upon me because the grace of God will be there to do more than those in the world. Amen? Genesis 12 verse 2. Let's go to Abraham. Because that's where it all started. He's our father of faith, the blessings of Father Abraham. I mean, as kids, we grew up 
Father Abraham has many sons. And then, let me not sing it. Singing anointing, stay away from me. Amen. <laughs> Deuteronomy 12, verse 2. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now I want you to see the promise that was made to Abraham. There's no conditions. The only condition that's there, he had to be at the right place. He had to be where God wanted him to be. Go to the place that I will show you. But apart from that, he didn't say, you should do this and that, like what he did with Moses. If you go read Galatians, when it talks about Abraham and the law, it says, the promise that was made to Abraham is 430 years before the law. All the blessings from the law is conditional. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, and if thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, I shall, I shall, I shall. But here with Abraham, he says, no, this is a covenant of grace. I'm going to bless you because it's not dependent upon you. It's what Jesus has done. Many of you are looking at your business and things have not worked out and you think, what have I done wrong? Just double blink at me. Just double blink at me if you don't want to raise your hand. I'm here to tell you the covenant, the promise that was made to Abraham was a promise of the Holy Spirit. Go read Galatians 3 verse 14. The promise that was made to Abraham is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit is, is light, is life, is blessing. When he said, I'll be your shield... I'll be your protection. I'll be your exceedingly great reward. He was just saying, God's presence will be with you. The disciples understood it. Mark says, go into the world, preach the gospel to everybody. Wherever you go, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. And he says, everything that you'll do in the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew, he says, go into all the world, Jesus is with you, for God is with you. What is he saying? He says, when God is with you, you'll see blessing, you'll see prosperity, you'll see miracles. Gideon, go look at Gideon. When the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, great and mighty man of God, the Lord is with you. What does he say to the angel? He says, huh, if God is with me, if God is with us, where's the miracles? Go read it. That's what he says. He says, if God is with us, where's the miracles? Because we know if God is with us, we'll see miracles. So if God is with you, you can be an Isaac when there's a drought and there's a second drought. You'll plant and you'll sow and you'll have a hundredfold return. Galatians 3 verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is the way that we should live. This is the promise that was made to Abraham. The Holy Spirit will be with you. And it's the Holy Spirit that anoints us, that empowers us. Can you see the need every day to say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me? So, the work of our hands are blessed 
because the Holy Spirit is with us. He's working in us, with us, and through us. You're not just doing business, but wherever you are going, you are now moving with God. That's why everywhere you put your feet, it's yours. Because when you're putting it down, there's light, there's life busy expelling darkness. You're not just doing business. When you are going in and you are greeting somebody, good day, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Something different. Amen? 1 John 2.20, it says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Verse 27 says, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. So where God has placed you, He's anointed you. Anointing is not just for preaching. As a matter of fact, if you're a CEO of a company, your boardroom has become your pulpit. If you are the CEO, you can make the rules. You can say, we're going to pray before we start this meeting. It's your company. It's your rules. Amen? But you honor God as your, as your God, as your Savior, as the one leading you. Not just as this cliche thing. Pray and say, Spirit of the living God, come into this meeting right now. Not just religiously, outwardly. Be it in heart. Amen? So whether you work for somebody or you are the boss, you need the Holy Spirit. That power is available. That grace is available. We need God's presence to be successful. We need the help of the Holy Spirit so that we can maintain what God has given us. To walk with God. To be clothed with God. There are many presidents. There are many CEOs. Many teachers. Many whatever you are doing. Engineers. Housewife. Mother. But to be one with a difference. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. If God has given you an assignment... He'll empower you for that assignment. The anointing is for a purpose. The anointing is for a purpose. Sometimes people will see that and they understand it, but the anointing is for a purpose. To empower you to do what you have to do. Can I tell you something? Whether you are poor or whether you are rich, you need the Holy Spirit. If you are poor, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to get you out of that situation. And if you are rich, you need the Holy Spirit so you can maintain it. Because it's one thing to get riches, but to maintain riches is something completely different. To have it and to maintain it is something completely different. We have to be able to reach out to the extremely wealthy. A matter of fact, some of Jesus' first visitors were extremely wealthy men. The wise men that came that gave gold, myrrh, and frankincense, they were extremely wealthy. That came. You couldn't just bring that. They, they came, but they were looking for something. God. Because there's something more precious than silver and gold. God's presence. Revelation says, purchase from me gold refined in the fire. And I'm telling you now, we sometimes look at a Bill Gates, but he's in need of God more than what you realize. Because money can just give you so much. You can just sleep in one bed at a time. You can just drive one car at a time. 
You can have more than one car, but you can only drive one car at a time. Saul had everything. The houses, the buildings, the people, the resources, but he did not have the anointing. So it couldn't bring change to people. David was hiding in a cave. He was not in the palace. But he was anointed, and people came to him because when somebody is distressed, your problem is beyond money. Sometimes when you're in debt and you cannot get out of it, you have to strike at the root of that. And Jesus dealt with all fundamental problems on the cross. When you are discontented on the inside of you, it's only Jesus that gives you that peace, the anointing, that you can be happy when you have nothing. Like what Paul writes about in Philippians. I want to close with this. One of the three first men that got saved in the book of Acts were all extremely wealthy and influential people. It's a teaching for another day, but it represents all of mankind in any case. The three sons of Noah. So the first three people that got saved, the book of Acts 8 verse 26, Ethiopian. Who was he? He was a minister. Probably part of a community, business, commerce, like, a, let me not mention names, but I mean, he was an influential person. The Bible refers to him being a minister in government. Second person, Saul. Saul was part of the Sanhedrin. It's the same. Cornelius the centurion, probably a general. All influential people probably had money, had resources, but all of them turned to God because they had a spiritual encounter. If you go see what happened with Philip, met up with the Ethiopian, there the one minute, the next minute he's just gone. That's like, like, gee, what happened here now? That must be God. Reading the scriptures, not understanding, he brings revelation. Saul on the way to Damascus, what happened? God hits him with blindness. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? God, I'm not persecuting you. I love you. I want to do your will. You're not busy. You're deceived. You're busy killing me. How can I kill you, Lord? I love you. You're busy killing my disciples, and I am in them, and if you are persecuting them, you are persecuting me. That's why he had the revelation of Christ on the inside of us. Cornelius, Peter had to go into a trance, sharing with him, listen, you have to go there. Send men to Joppa, go call Peter, let him come immediately. And you see that experience in the spirit, the anointing working, God just dropping things in Peter's spirit. So if we're going to touch a community, people at that level, we need the anointing, we need the Holy Spirit that we can speak into their lives. Amen? In this community here, people live in estates, they live closed off. You cannot get to them. But God knows exactly what's going on. When we start praying for people, we can start praying for individuals. They are looking for God because they're looking for the truth. Let me close. John chapter 8. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in me, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody is looking for the truth, and everybody wants to be set free. They might be 
looking for it in the wrong way. For us as disciples, Jesus said, if you say you are truly my disciple, then you have to abide in my word. You have to abide and continue in my teachings. It's not hearing one sermon like this and saying, okay, great, I'm going to have it. It's continuing in it. That's why it's important to be in church on a Sunday so that you can grow in the word of God. The truth is you're an anointed one. When you have revelation of that truth, it will set you free already. Turn to the person next to you say you're an anointed one whether you like it or not. Turn to the person on the other side say you're an anointed one. Say whether you like it or not. Amen. Let me just say, if you want to know truth, you have to obey truth and you have to live truth. It's not just hearing it, it's doing it. I heard something about a little boy that memorized the whole Sermon on the Mount, and they were astonished about how he could do it so quickly. My wife actually shared it with me. They were astonished how he could do it so quickly, so they asked him, how is it that you could memorize it so quickly? He said, it's very easy. Every time I read a verse, I went and applied it to my life and started doing it. And I just remembered it, and I could go to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So sometimes when you hear the word, don't say, oh, that's a good scripture for that one. No, take it to heart to yourself and start living it. Amen. Can I ask you this? Do you know what's your assignment? Because when you know what's your assignment, God will empower you for your assignment. As disciples, let us abide in the word of God. You can only know the truth if you obey the truth. We can only come and keep God to his promises if we're going to keep our promises. We can only say, God, you honor your word if we're going to honor our word. Judas did what he had to do to be seen as a friend of Jesus. Just to get close to him, give him a kiss, and at the end of the day, choose money. Can I say it again? Judas did what he had to do to be seen as a friend of Jesus, just to get close to him, to give him a kiss, and in the end, to choose money. When we come to church and we want God to anoint us, what is our true motive? When we've given Jesus the rightful place, money can never grab you. Money can never hold you. The question is, do you have money or has money got you? When you've got money, you can let go of it. But when money has got you, you cannot let go of it. Aina, amen. That's why God puts a test, an obedience test, the end of every month and say, just give me 10%. Just to reveal your own heart and to show your own heart to him. I think my heart's cry is, may God raise up a group of anointed men and women that will honor God. That when the blessing comes, they will not say, it's the work of my hands, but they will say, it's truly God that's done an amazing thing in my life. Like David had a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposed of giants, you have a friend in the Holy Spirit who will dispose of your giants. When you understand your purpose, you'll know that God has anointed you, empowered you, so that you can fulfill that. So that God can take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. 
I'm closing with this, Ephesians 3.20. You know that. It's God who is able to do far more. I'm reading the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. It's God working on the inside of us. Paul said, I've worked harder than any of these disciples. But in the end of the day, it was the grace of God. It was the anointing of God. It was His ability that was working much harder on the inside of me. Sela. Father, we thank you for this first session. Thank you, Lord, that you fall afresh upon your sons and your daughters and you empower us, O oh Lord. Enlighten us by your Holy Spirit. Let us be aware of the fact that You've anointed our hands, O oh Lord, that you've anointed our hearts, O oh Lord, that you've anointed us, O oh Lord, and that you are busy taking us from where we are to where you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.